everyone, and welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I am Jennifer Spicer, and I am with my amazing husband, Jamie Spicer, and we are the Confidence Couple. So in the last episode, I have to give Jamie a lot of credit, even though sometimes he can't remember where he puts his keys. You know, I was kind of nervous with what he claimed about what your brain does when you sleep. And so one, it's not necessarily due to dehydration, but I'm going to read something that says, Researchers have found that sleep provides a time where the brain synapses shrink back by nearly 20%. So we were kind of talking about dehydration and what that happens. So I think when you're in REM sleep, your brain is doing things, but dehydration actually can cause the brain cells to shrink, which over time causes the mass to shrink, which is something that happens in elderly people anyway, but prolonged dehydration will actually make that happen before you're elderly. So good job. Well, one. thank you. But still, when you wake up, <laughs> drink about 16 to 20 ounces of water first thing in the morning. It's really good for your gut health. I mean, not to be talking about bowel movements, but it's probably why I had some IBS issues when I was younger. If you're not, if you don't have fiber and fluids, you're not going to go to the bathroom. And if you don't have fluids, nothing can push it out. So right. just drink your freaking water. <laughs> right, right. Um, so today, last episode, we talked about some stuff on aging and what people may be doing and not doing and not know. Now we want to shift gears and talk about nutrition and why someone who really doesn't know they might be doing something that they don't mean to be doing by starting a nutrition plan and not having any guidance. Right. So, I mean, daily we consult with people that come in that are very frustrated with the fact that they have pretty much done every diet program underneath the sun. They have you know, done Tabata, they've done HIT, they've done steady state, they they run 10 miles, they do circuit training, drop, it is, they've done everything and they're st- just stuck on not being able to see the results. And the problem is there's so much information on the internet. And then of course you have your gym gurus. And then of course you have what you've seen, what your friends accomplish, what, you, what you're not understanding when you jump into someone else's diet program or you just pull something off the internet that is, you don't know if it's gonna be a good fit for you specifically. Um, you know, you're just jumping into something cause you saw it work for somebody else. But what if that uh, program you're jumping into is actually adversely working against you? Um, Give you me know, an example. So, you know, let me, okay. So keto loves to take its, its cycle, you know, so, you know, you'll see keto really hot and popular and then you'll see keto kind of fade away and then you'll see keto come right back and you know let's say that you want to jump in keto because you saw your friend going it and let's say that you run a much leaner body mass than your friend than your friend over here did um but either or in either scenario whether you have high body fat or even lower body fat if you don't know or understand where your your thyroid's at and you just start going away on a higher fat diet, you're going to get fat. Well, let's let's talk about like the, you know, the patho there, the pathophysiology. So basically if your thyroid's off, cause I don't, you're talking a little above people's right. heads maybe, but that's okay because you're really smart, hmm. but your thyroid produces something called T4, which converts to T3. T3 is your active form of metabolism. And if you're lacking the T3, meaning your thyroid is underactive, then you don't have a metabolism. So if you start pumping yourself full of calories, no matter if what they are, that it might not be what you need or it won't be what you need. You're just still going to gain weight, even though your friend lost weight. Correct? Right. Because you're not going to be able to burn it off. Now, you know, 
if you are insulin resistant, again, if you don't even know if you're insulin resistant, mm-hmm. then you don't even know if it's going to be a good fit because the opposite of with that would be is your hypoglycemic. Um, and even for people that are insulin sensitive, keto can work very well for them also if done properly. But you don't if you don't know the either way where you're sitting, you don't know if those numbers are improving either either way or not. The other thing is, is when it comes to something like keto, um, everybody wants to go like the Atkins way, if you want to, or whatever you want to call it. And it's going to be more of the high saturated fat. It's going to be who doesn't want to eat eggs with bacon, with cheese, and then mm-hmm. have burgers with bacon and cheese and another burger with bacon and cheese. You know, that's not a great way to actually do a keto diet. So you're not even doing it the right way. And the four-year studies show that cholesterol levels are through the roof on people that do it because getting in healthy fats, a good balance of mono and polysaturated fats um, with some saturated fat, because we do need a good healthy saturated fat like coconut oil or MCT oil or like Kerrygold or ghee butter that all works really well. But, you know, when someone's going to be given the choice of like egg whites with feta and avocado and spinach or you know, whole eggs with cheese and bacon, which route do you think they're going to take? They're going to take the super high saturated fat way, not the, not the healthier fat way. Well, and let me unpack a little bit of what you said. So for listeners, saturated fat is anything that can sit at room temperature and remain solid. Um, But also, you know, the polysaccharides. And I actually forgot to ask you after, or even look it up myself after our conference in Miami a couple of weeks ago and all the research that's coming out about polysaccharides and what they do for inflammation in the brain and how they help reverse, you know, some age-related brain disorders like Alzheimer's and things like that. But what is an example of a polysaccharide? And I don't really want to put you on the spot right now, but. Um, your polysaccharides are going to be, like quinoa, um, trying to think of some other ones here. Yeah, I never think good right off the fly. Well, so actually we're both misspeaking. Polysaccharides are, are carbohydrates. Correct. So you, and I totally went on the wrong path with that. And I'm sorry for That's that, right. but I more so mean omega-6 and omega-3. Right, so- as an American diet, we're heavy in omega-6s. So okay. that's going to be like your nut seed oils, like almonds, cashews, stuff like that. We're lagging, especially, which is a really important fat for females, is your, omega, is your omega-9s, Okay. Um, which is where you're going to get from your flax seed, chia seeds. Um, and then, of course, we want the omega-3s, which you're going to find through um, omega-3 eggs, chickens, um, also flaxseed. And you're going to also get a good blend from salmon, uh, trying to think here, a couple other sources, but those are kind of be your, your big sources to kind of go, but you want to have a good balance, but you want to definitely be more heavy on the omega three and the omega nines. The omega sixes can actually kind of create, if you have too much omega six, that's, that's also not your good. seed oils and will cause more inflammation. And that can actually, like you brought back about, um, history goes back to, uh, inflammation within the brain and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when you're, when you're looking at, again, a keto style diet, um, you want to make sure you're bringing in a good balance of poly mono saturated fats that are rich in three, nine fats with obviously some six in it, but more of the threes and for women respond really good. Primrose oil. Again, mm-hmm. that's another one that came up the top of my head. Primrose oil for women at night is a very good source of a blended three, six, nine fat, um, that helps with hormonal balance. Um, so you, that, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but you always buy certain eggs for us that are different. I buy free range. Um, and I always try to read the label and do the research that make sure that whatever beef, chicken, um, 
or um, beef and chicken or eggs that we buy are grass fed, grass finished, not grass fed, then polished off with corn or we don't know what type of grain that's in it because that is going to end up in your system. And if you have um, food intolerances to like corn and stuff like that, then that's where you're going to get that inflammation from. So, okay. okay. And so I don't know if you want to change gears into intermittent fasting yet or not. No, not yet because okay. still on the keto side of it is like, then we got to, we got to look at keto and then we got to look at um, how, how you're training. I was just going to say that, right. like if you're doing hit or you're doing. Correct. You know. If you're doing hit, if you're doing drop sets, supersets, you're not giving yourself the proper rest then you're literally burning up muscle glycogen at that point because your body is being forced to convert fats um, and protein if you don't have enough fat, which is a big typical deal with keto people, is they don't have enough fat to begin with in the so diet. So they're really just doing a, a protein diet. Correct. They're not doing a keto or carb. Right. Okay. And then their body is converting the proteins and the fats into glucogen for glucose um, because they're really not in a true ketosis state at that point. And then they're, they're really falling short on sodium they're falling short on magnesium. They're falling short on potassium. They're falling short on their B vitamins. Um, so even when it comes to supplementation, like just jumping into keto because it worked, you got to do your homework or you need to hire someone that really knows how to do a true keto diet. Well, and then also, you know, we've just recently learned that when you get stressed out and you go into fight or flight, it kicks you out of ketosis. And so I think what a lot of people don't really realize is that your body's always going to try to get back to a state of homeostasis. It needs a certain amount of certain energy fuels like glycogen or fats or whatever that may be. And if it can't get it from the food, it's going to get it from somewhere. So your liver will produce glucose. It, it will just, it goes not to get too complex, but it will, it will create it. So it's actually doing more harm than good. Correct. So, you know, again, kind of, kind of recapping on keto, like to go back, like you got to look at everything. You just can't jump into a keto diet and expect it's going to work if you're out training it over cardio in it, not supplement it with it. Right. And if you're, uh, if your macros aren't distributed correctly, meaning that you have a high percentage of fat, um, all the way up to 70%, 60%. And obviously, um, five, maybe under 5% in carbohydrates, and then the rest is going to be made up with protein. But if you're not doing that, then the key, you're, you're basically, you're the one who's failing, not the keto plant that's, that's failing, because you're doing it wrong from the beginning, because you don't have a true understanding of what it is. And you could be raising cholesterol issues, and you could be putting more stress on the body, and you could be training your body to actually use protein as energy, what is not designed to be used for. Correct. And then even to add on to that, you know, if you have high cholesterol, it could be related to hypothyroidism. So, you know, a lot of times I think that people start to take more drastic measures or, or they change their lifestyle because they've started to gain weight. If you have hypothyroidism, you're going to be gaining weights and then you're going to be going to keto. You already have elevated cholesterol. It's just a cycle that is going to be even harder to get out of. And also if you're restricting your body of what it needs, like if you do have hypothyroidism, we've been reading that primal paleo is the way to go, which is a more balanced diet, right? I mean, right. and it's balance of energy sources is what I should say, like carbs and fats and protein. And that's going to heal your body. Correct. And so to kind of recap what that is like, I, I think a good place to start before you start any nutrition program, whether you work with a registered dietitian or not, is I think you should get a, a full blood panel done mm -hmm. and get a true understanding of where your micronutrients are at, your vitamin deficiencies, mineral deficiencies, hormones are sitting at, cholesterol, 
um, that way you not only do you know where you're starting at, but you can gauge on your progress too and repull in 90 days and see how well you've not only improved externally, but internally. Right. And so like what you were talking about with being, you know, restricted and only using protein, chances are that person's going to binge. And then when you talk about, and that's just not good. And then when you talk about brain function and using your, your micronutrients, so you brought up salt and magnesium, potassium, people don't really realize the importance of sodium and potassium. A lot of times they try to cut out salt or they're not getting the right amounts of salt. They'll start to think, oh, I need to eat sugar or whatever, because your body's just trying to figure it out. But if you substitute with magnesium and sodium and things like that, then you're not going to have the headaches or anything like that. Correct. And to clarify with the salt thing, there's a big, big difference between bleach table salt that sits on the table that we're used to, and then uh, kosher salt with iodine, and then also your Celtic sea salt, your pink Himalayan sea salt are all great sources of salt. So don't be running and buying that cheap no. bleached white uh, table salt. Well, and that's Make what sure you're buying some good good products. And that's what <clears throat> people are afraid of because they know that it's bad. But honestly, the Celtic salt with iodine is, is important because we're, a lot of us are iodine deficient now. Correct. Um, another big thing, you know, it always goes through. And of course, you know, I'll go through the, the ones that are always hot right now. We talked about keto. And then there's fasting, there's intermittent fasting. Um, the carnivore diet's really big right now. Mm -hmm. um, these are all ones that really cycle back and back and forth. And in order for you to do it again, you know, you got to start with a base, um, which I, you know, we believe we always pull blood work on people and we get a good baseline of where someone is. We get a good medical history of what they've been doing. I always go back at least try to go 30 to 60 days back on how they've been eating what kind of cardio program they've been doing, what kind of training they've been doing, what kind of supplementation they've been doing. So I have a, a really good grasp of what they've been doing. And clearly at that point, we know whatever they have been doing isn't working. So we have to come up with a different approach. Um, when it comes to fasting, um, you know, you can, again, it's going to be dependent upon who you talk to. There Some, is a place for it. There is absolutely a place for it. Um, but then, you know, some people will say that doing a 24 to 48 to 72 hour fast is much better for you because um, than an intermittent fast on a day on a daily intermittent fast, because you're actually depleting yourself all the way down and you're, you're putting yourself basically in, in a stress mode to kind of recover. So, but if you're stressed, you can't do that. Correct. So then that comes back to like supplementation. When you do longer fast, you got to make sure you have sodium bicarb. You got to have sodium potassium, sodium magnesium. Um, those are going to be big things with that. And then um, phosphatidylcholine is really big for people that fast, whether you fast 72 hours or whether you intermittent fast. It's a big, it's a big supplement to put in there. Okay. Well, and I agree with you. I do think that from a medical perspective, intermittent fasting can be really helpful if someone is dealing with cancer, um, say same with ketogenic or a chronic disease process. And you have to look at the patient's lifestyle. So like if they're not going to adhere to a few meals a day and then they're beating themselves up, you know, like we have a couple of people we're working with right now, the best thing that we can do is give them an intermittent fast and have them have that accomplishment. And then once they start to feel better, their hunger might go up and we can change, but it has to be your, I feel like your nutrition should be forever evolving with your lifestyle. And as you progress. Correct. 100%. Um, 
you know, I like to use intermittent fasting on, on like after holidays, like after vacations to detox the body and, and get that stress from the holidays or from the vacation off the body. It might be two days. It might be seven days. Right. I do it until my bowel movements are regular again, until my, my weight has dropped back down to the weight it was before the vacation. Um, and my brain is cleared and I, I just feel back to normal. So it just depends on how fast I detox after, which always comes back to like, how bad did I misbehave <laughs> during the holidays or during the vacation? Would so. you ever just do, so like you bring up, you, you like to do intermittent fasting after those things. Would you ever just do your 24 or 72 or 48 hour fast after one of those and, and be done with it? Or that's a quick way. Um, if the, if the person can tolerate it. Right. If, and usually the way that we'll do it is we'll kick it off. Um, everything stops at eight o'clock on Saturday and we won't eat again until probably about eight o'clock on Sunday. Um, but we still keep it super clean. And then we go right back to our normal meal plan on Monday. Um, can I ask you a question though about intermittent fasting? So in just thinking about the two people that I have in the top of my head of honestly, like I don't really know what else to do because they just need to eat. You know, if they've been not eating and their body's used to not eating, at what point would you change them from intermittent fasting to getting their metabolism up? Because by not eating, you're you're starving yourself. Correct. So it's two things. This so keep me on pace with this. One is if you're someone that went to intermittent fasting because you heard that your friend Susie or Bob or whoever did really good with it, and you were the AM person eating breakfast, and you were pretty close to where you wanted to be at, but you just wanted some improvement, you know, I. I I can pretty much guarantee probably for at least the first week or two, you were fighting off some serious hunger cravings because your body was used to being fed at a certain time. And now it's having to relearn of when you're going to feed it again. So in that scenario with that, you know, you might need to not intermittent fast. Maybe you just need to take a deeper look into the type of carb sources you're going, or are you unknowingly eating a food that has mild inflammation in the body. And that's what's causing some stomach bloat, some constipation and some water retention. And that's what you're really dealing with is more water retention, not really leanness. Um, the other side of it, of that would be. And so like sort of for starving, you know, like Oh, and starving is um, everybody. I, I, I won't say everybody but almost every single person I've worked with over the last 20 years has un has been under eating. Mm -hmm. um, it might be by 500 calories. It might be by a thousand calories. It might be by 1500 calories. And when you say the most overweight people are probably under eating the most. Correct. Because we're taught as a society that we need to burn more than what we take in. And we, and we know, um, I mean, you do, right. But right. You, you do to a point. Um, statistically anything under negative 500 calories on a daily basis at some point you need to refeed reload cheat meal or you just eat more of the same food that you're eating and drive the calories up it's it's a zigzag approach so you have low days and hot, high days but you know we're taught to burn more than what we take in but what we know what gaining weight is and by eating too much because the scale goes up our pants are getting tighter and we can see the changes in the mirror but we don't know if we're under that negative caloric intake too long, too, uh, for too long and too low, I should say too long, too low, too long. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the, the issue comes into, I use this analogy with clients is the body can't distinguish between someone who has an eating disorder that's purposely, um, 
under eating because they're starving themselves because they think if they eat, they're going to get fat. And the dieter who's just trying to lean down or lose some weight. But the body is in both scenarios, the body is sending out a hunger signal saying, I am hungry. Mm-hmm. In both scenarios, the, 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 the people are literally flipping the hunger signal off and going, I can't eat because I'm trying to get this weight off of me or lose, you know, get leaner because summer's right around the corner and they're trying to crash diet to do it because they didn't prepare or the person who's afraid to eat because they're going to get fat. The body can't distinguish between the two, it, but it has the same response, which means it's going to store fat because you're so under caloric and burn muscle. Mm-hmm. So the body can't distinguish. So again, what we do with people is we always do a mild increase. So let's say that you're the female doing the typical 1200 calorie diet, because that's what's published all the time out there. And so we'll might do like a, a small increase of like 300 calories, um, or even maybe 200 calories, depending upon where the person's at. And in three or four days, that person's like, man, this is a lot of food. This is really hard to get down. But, but day five or day six, all of a sudden they're like, texting us or calling us saying, I am very hungry. Right. So we know we just stimulated it up. And then we just, as they get hungry like that, we can, we continually increase the caloric intake up from two to 300 calories on males. We go a little bit higher until we hit a threshold to where they're full. And then we can go into like that zigzag approach where we have high days and low days. And that Mm -hmm. could be, you know, days you work out days, you don't work out. If you work out all the time, then that could be big muscle group days and small muscle group days however you design it, you just need to keep the constant confusion of caloric intake going so the body can't regulate to that um, caloric intake. Well, and I feel like, unfortunately, you know, most doctors aren't educated in nutrition and some are, and I, I really commend them for that. And yes, we have dietitians and stuff, but I mean, I was even at, you know, getting my hair done this morning and the girl that was doing my hair, she went to her doctor. Her doctor told her she has subclinical hypothyroidism. She also has PCOS. And her doctor didn't want to implement medication. And while I don't always feel that medication, the first go around is right. She is on metformin. And, but yet she told me she loves to eat macaroni and cheese and she is overweight. And her doctor was like, well, if you just lose weight, your thyroid is going to get better. And I'm just thinking to myself, just basically like setting herself, setting her up for failure with no guidance. Like one, she might not lose weight depending on how underactive her thyroid is and, or it's going to be really challenging for her. And she's already told me she's only done like crash dieting. And so then she rebounds. And then two, how do you tell, I mean, you got to give someone some guidance. It's so complex. And, you know, it's just, it's really hard to figure out what's best for you, which is why I always have you do it. And I've seen you do some crazy stuff, even with like, you know, when you're trying to get that last five pounds off of how you time the carbs around the workout or, you know, whatever the energy source may be, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And, you know, it, it, I just like your full circle approach there. Well, the thing that we have to admit, no matter what nutrition program that you want to follow, whether it's paleo, whether it's fasting, whether it's um, keto, whether it's carnivore, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to have to sacrifice something. You're going to have to give up something. Like if it's if it's keto, you're giving up carbs. Um, if it's carnivore, you're giving up carbs and vegetables, you know, so there's always going to be something, but you know, as a society, I think we've gotten way too comfortable. And I think that, um, it's convenience, convenience is one. Um, the word I'm looking for is lazy is I don't want to be too harsh about it. Lazy, but, um, agree, I guess expectation of, I deserve to be able to eat whatever I want. I don't even know if it's that, I think it's a lack of understanding and learning because, 
you know, as you and I both know, you can get chicken from one store and chicken at another, and you're not, you're getting something that's pumped full of water and sodium versus not. And so I think one, it's maybe the way that they were raised. It's what their doctors have told them. It's, you know, and food has additives in it that make us addicted. It's extremely hard. Food is emotional. There's barriers when it comes to food. You know, we were talking about it yesterday with Jane. It's like, if the whole family isn't on board, it's really hard because it is a major life change. It's something that you have to really retrain yourself to do and you have to really want it. The pain point has to be there. And there's a lot of barriers. I mean, it's extremely overwhelming. Well, you nailed it with as far as like food is addictive. I know we talked about sugar in the one episode um, about how addictive it is. It's it's actually more addictive than any street drug on the market, but um, Oreos actually has a chemical in mm-hmm. it that scientists purposely put in it to make it so it's impossible for you to eat just one Oreo. Um, now I want to go try that. Right? <laughs> I've tried it and I've lost every time. Trust me. I, I, I think even, we should try it again. Tonight. I've even eaten one and hid the suckers and I still went and found You them. ate a whole box that you bought me. Yeah, I know. And, oh, um, and I just want to back up and say something really funny, not to get you off the off subject. I was going to wait till the end, but you said that I, you know, we can't go follow our, our friend's meal plan. Well, I did and it worked and that's how I met you and it was your meal plan. I just want to put that out there. It did work. Now I was so inflamed that any meal plan probably would have worked, but any <laughs> Well, you got lucky, you know, and sometimes, yes, you know, a meal plan that your friend is doing will work if you have similar body types, um, if you have similar genetics, um, if one's not super insulin resistant and one's super insulin sensitive. So, I mean, there are scenarios, it will work. And let me segue into something on that, though, because I thought about it with myself, you know, maybe, you know, let's have two females, right? And one is doing meal plan at work. It worked really well. The other one starts it and they're just super inflamed, even though they might be eating like protein bars, right. And whatever, they think that they're doing the right thing, but they're just eating more inflammation on more inflammation. They're going to have a dramatic drop for like four weeks. And then they might halt because really what they did is just cleaned up the inflammatory stuff, got rid of the inflammatory water weight. And now they really need a different nutrition plan. 100%. I, you know, I actually just worked with a client. I won't say her name and I won't say the bars that she was eating, but when we went to more whole food and cut that stuff out. Oh my God, it was her, crazy. Her, what was it 10 day or 12 day change? I don't even know if it was that many days. It was, was like seven. And I was like, what the F? Because was, I'm like over here, like the puff marshmallow man because was, of stress. Was incredible, you know, but here's my advice for anybody that is wanting to get into a, a nutrition program. First and foremost, you get what you put into it. If you're only going to give it 50, 60%, you're only going to get that out of it. I don't care what dietitian or coach or whatever you want to do or what you pull off, you're going to get what you put into it. If you're not doing your homework upfront first to see whatever gut health issues, mineral, vitamin deficiencies, um, or hormonal imbalances that you have, you're going to struggle. Um, it's going to be, it's going to take time and it's going to take work for you to correct those. And before your body responds, I can feed you carrots and put you on a treadmill all day long. Your body is not going to respond the way that you think it should for the work that you put into it, no matter what diet you're finding until you, until you get gut health and hormones balanced back out. The other thing you have to do is you have to find something sustainable that you can do long-term. You have to find the balance between your fitness life, your family life, and your social life. There's a very specific reason why I put your fitness life first, because you can't be what you want to be for your family or for your work 
or even for your friends if you're not taking care of yourself first. If you're depleted down with sleep by um, not feeding yourself correctly, by de-stressing yourself correctly, by taking some personal time, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour, you deserve that time in the day to do it. You're not going to be what you want to be. And then family, I put second because I just, you know, I think family is more important when it comes to spending time with friends. So, you know, obviously you want to go find that time too, but you, if it, when it comes to being able to eat out or do something, you, you know, family, and then if you still have the time or ability where you want to be at with your composition <laughs> and weight, then you can uh, find that time with your friends too. Well, yeah. And I 100% agree with you. And I'm honestly one of those people that, you know, we were hitting barriers and we didn't realize how poor my gut health was, how bad my inflammation was. And honestly, how I think genetically I've had a subclinical hypothyroid issue. And we just did what we knew and you learned a lot. I learned a lot and it's then helped us with other people. But now like I have light bulbs going off, but you can't pour from an empty cup. Also, if someone's not sleeping right, their ghrelin isn't regulating, right? Ghrelin is a hormone that is released, I think at like one o'clock in the morning or, or three, there's two things that happen with our circadian rhythms there. And if you've ever noticed that you didn't sleep well and you're craving carbs all day, there's a reason why your body didn't get to reset. So sleep is so important. And in addition, I mean, I think one piece of advice everybody can take away from if we just kind of went back to the basics, the way that our ancestors lived, it, meaning like food wise, just keeping it simple, all that stuff, they're going to see a benefit. Now they may need to tweak it based on the special diet if they're insulin resistant or insulin sensitive or, or whatever. But honestly, if you just kind of go back to the basics and just don't try to cut corners, you didn't get overweight or unhealthy overnight. And it's going to take time because you're dealing with a lot of variants like COVID. So, you know, and you found, figured out something just this week about COVID and a histamine response. And there's so many crazy things going on there. And I know Epstein-Barr causes issues, you know, and that's where the medical medium has his stuff with the celery juicing. I mean, we don't know how long these viruses are living inside us and the pollutants that are outside. I mean, you're, you're getting pummeled and right. I could go on and on about that, but. Right. And to comment on what you were saying. Yeah. I've had clients that I've been working with for years, um, even just a few months that um, all of a sudden have had what I thought initially was a bunch of food intolerances. And so I was like, I, this is the importance of you have to rotate your proteins and your carbs and stuff because you can literally build up an intolerance if you eat things for too long. And they're like, I promise we've been doing it. And I'm like, well, this is weird that I have this huge issue now with a bunch of clients that I've been working with a long time that have food intolerances. And the more research I started doing is like, well, what's the common denominator between these people? And of course, everybody pretty much at this point in time has had COVID. So I started doing some research and not on Google and stuff like that, but actually where you can get uh, true research done and come to find out that histamine is a big link to people that have COVID and histamine levels are too high in people, which is why they're getting the rashes, the bloating, the gas, the migraines um, and that, and stuff like that. Well, and so there's a new supplement that Dr. Becky talked, told us about, and we started using it. And it's funny, Tammy, our other nurse just told me that one of her um, patients, I think that is also a doctor told her to take it because we live in an area in the middle of the country that's full of allergens and things that can cause histamine. So when you have a histamine response, it's because mast cells detect something that's a trigger. And what it's, I'm going to say it wrong. And I'm going to have to, it's 
quercetin, yes. which is an over-the-counter, um, I think it's a polyphenol. Correct. And so it is an anti-inflammatory, but it helps to inhibit mast cell degranulation. So it actually helps to kind of calm everything down. I'm curious to see how it goes with people, but I think it's honestly going to be great because yes, we gave them histamine blockers, like, you know, over-the-counter Claritin or Zyrtec, but if we could get more to the cause, which I know is what you and I both agree is the best and kind of just calm down that overall response, it's going to be better in the end. 100%. And that goes back to, again, like when you're starting out, when I talked about gut health and hormonal imbalance, Another thing that you that an individual would want to do is they really want to do their due diligence in figuring out what foods work best with their body. Um, it's called an elimination diet. Um, my advice is you stick to that until all your bloating, your gas, constipation is gone, not just for a day or two, but probably for a good two to three weeks. And then you can start a reintroduction phase on certain things and see how they go. If you go through that process and you really learn what foods work best with your body, those are kind of the foods that we have our clients stick to for the pretty much the majority of their, their diet dietary program. And then we show them how to eat out and enjoy food when they eat out that doesn't cause the same issues. So we find that you can go have a burger and fries and it doesn't cause a ton of inflammation and you're back to normal within 12 to 24 hours. That's a good cheat meal to go to. If pizza has you constipated for two days and bloated for three days, then that's not the best meal for you. Right. Or how many insults can one person take like us last weekend with being overly tired and everything was closed. So we literally did all three evil enemies of gluten, dairy and sugar in one sitting. And we both woke up feeling like we had drank a whole bottle of wine the next day and it was awful. But, you know, some people have, you know, higher histamine levels, meaning like, you know, depending on their genes, I feel like you have higher histamine levels than I do, depending on the cause. But yeah, I mean, just paying attention to what, and would you tell people to follow a FODMAP list on the elimination diet? We always have people uh, start out on a FODMAP, F-O-D-M-A-P. Yes, it's mainly for a lot of IBS, but it's also a bunch of low inflammatory food, which kind of going back to the paleo diet, um, primal paleo diet. I like that diet a lot. The issue that I have with any one of those, um, including like macro counting, is if you have not identified the foods that work best with your body initially, mm-hmm. then just swapping around macros or just plugging away at a plan, like again, in a paleo primal diet, they don't have rice, but I do have clients that digest rice way better than they do potatoes. So I'm going to have to go with the rice over the potato because the potato is going to cause more of an inflammation. We're still trying to figure out what causes the inflammation from the potato. But for right now, we're going down the path that's getting them because overall, Clients want to see results initially first, and then once they start seeing results and start believing in the system, then you can start really digging in and really finding out root causes of what maybe got them there in the very first place. Right. And, you know, and again, it could be dealing with a whole bunch of things, like if they have heartburn and they're being given, they've been giving stuff to decrease the stomach acid, and now they have you know, bacterial overgrowth because things weren't killed off by the hydrochloric acid. And, you know, I, there's just a lot. So like people want to juice fast. I just think figuring out what the cause of whatever it is you're dealing with, getting the blood work, getting a deeper look and and going to someone that's really going to take the time because it is not going to happen overnight. It is a marathon, not a race. And your physiology changes as you age, as we're exposed to new things. So, I mean, it's honestly just nutritional coaching is huge. Right. You got to look at your health and your nutrition. Again, kind of like I, I always make an analogy of 
of like your savings plan? Like how, when you, you put money into a 401k or IRAs or whatever it is, and you don't do that, um, you put a bunch of money in so you can look back in, in 90 days or six months or a year and pat yourself on the back and how great of a job you did and then go spend it all and you're back right back to zero, right? That is how you, that, that investment you're making now and over the next 10 to 20 years is how you're going, well, you're going to retire financially. Mm -hmm. What you put in your mouth and how you treat your body now is how you're going to feel in the next 10 to 20 years. Right. So you're in control. You can either, you can either do it now while you're the one making the decision, or at some point, I promise you, a medical professional is going to tell you that you need to make some drastic changes in your life or it's not going to be good for you. No, it's not. And, you know, I think it's just really important to get with someone that has the knowledge and is going to work with you because it's, it's not an overnight thing. And I don't know. So my tip with that too, you, I'm glad I didn't even think of it until you just said it. When looking for a dietitian or looking for a nutrition coach or whatever it is, <clears throat> this all the way, goes all the way down to these competitors. If you're going to work with someone that doesn't have a good basis of nutrition all the way around, and is only going to do, 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 do nutrition for what works for them. I hope that your body type and genetics, kind of like we were talking about Jen with the one client started a plan that I gave to another client and it ended up kind of working for her. I hope it works for you, but the likelihood of it working for you probably is not good. So hire someone that has a lot of knowledge um, doesn't need mean they got to, you know, be an expert in everything that there is because there is no such thing. There's no way that anybody can know everything there is to know about nutrition. It's impossible. But, you know, they can't, they, they are smart enough to know how to adjust to you, not just force you to do their plan that works, their, their plant-based or whatever it is that works specifically for them. Well, yeah, that and, you know, like we were talking about, and I don't want to make it sound like it's impossible, but there might be other contributing factors. So if they're exposed to mold, if they're exposed to something, you know, if the provider or whoever you're going to doesn't have the tools or the resources or is willing to refer you out because for whatever the reason may be, how are you gonna find the solution? You know, you could be trying and, and working against your own hormones or working against some kind of toxic load because we all have a limit of a boiling over point. So you got to get to the cause, right? You got to treat the cause, not the symptom, because if all you're going to do is put band-aids on the symptom, you're never going to be healed. Right. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of younger by the minute. We appreciate your time and your support. I'm Jennifer Spicer and I'm Jamie Spicer. And we are the confident couple. <laughs>